Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. Every, uh, every generation has a, you know, where were you when kind of defining event. You know, where were you when the D-Day invasion happened? Where were you when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon? Where were you when JFK was killed? Where were you when the Challenger exploded? Some of you are like, I don't know what that is. You're too young for that. Uh, Where were you when 9-11 happened? Where were you when COVID became real? And the world stopped turning for a while. You know, moments like these, they're, they're big. They're not only world-changing, but they're culture-changing. They, they shape generations. Culture shifts. Lives are changed. They, they come without any warning. They cause uncertainty. They cause fear in our world. And our world right now is, is full of uncertainty. You know, we, we really honestly don't know what tomorrow holds. There's wars everywhere. There's global disasters, natural disasters, national terrorism, a global terrorism. In 2013, a new word was added to the Merriam-Webster uh, Dictionary. Doom scrolling. How many of y'all know what doom scrolling is? Doom scrolling is where you sit on your phone or computer just reading bad news headlines. And let's face it, news is bad news today. There's not a whole lot of good news headlines around. Uh, If there was ever a time that our world needed hope, it's now. And that's what Advent is all about. It is a season of hope. Now, Advent, the word means coming or arrival. And while we, we enter the season of Advent, we, we understand that as believers, we are, are standing between two realities. We are looking back to the truth and the, the fact that Jesus came as a baby over 2,000 years ago. He was born in a manger in Bethlehem. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross to take the paint, the wages of our sin, to pay our sin debt. He was buried and rose three days later to redeem us to God the Father. And now He's ascended to God uh, and He's sitting at the right hand of God as we look back to the fact that He did come once, but we also look forward to the promise that He's coming again. That one day He will return. One day He will return to earth and He will make all things new. He will fix everything that is broken. And so Advent is a time where we look, we look pat, pat backwards in the hope that His birth brought to the world, but also look forward in anticipation of His return. Now, Christmas has become a a very hectic time, a very frenzied time. You know, we all are busy, and we're especially busy during the Christmas season. We have holiday parties to go to, we have traditions to do, we have all kinds of things that just kind of pack our schedule. I mean, in April, we used to we used to do everything. We, you know, of course, we day after Thanksgiving or the weekend after Thanksgiving, we go to 
pick get our own Christmas tree. We cut down our Christmas tree and decorate it. But then, you know, we would, okay, on the, you know, this time, this week in Christmas, we're going to take the kids to see Santa. And this week we're going to, we're going to take them to see this Christmas movie. And then we're going to take them to make cookies. And we're going to do this and that. We're going to go caroling. And we're going to do all this stuff. And about five years ago, we finally decided, you know, we're not doing that. We're only going to do what the kids ask to do because that's what's important to them. And there are a few things they, they love to do. They still like to go get our Christmas tree. They still like making cookies. They still like doing certain things and watching certain movies. But they don't, they don't care about all the other stuff that we were piling our schedules in and driving ourselves crazy to make sure that we do. Now, they still like going to see Santa. Connor wants to see Santa every year, sits on his lap and asks him for toys. Uh, no, he hasn't been in years. Uh, but, you know, we stop doing the things that they don't want to do, and we kind of slow down and really focus on what Christmas is all about. You know, Christmas decorations go up earlier and earlier. Uh, I was in Lowe's. It was before Halloween. I walked into Lowe's at like the beginning of October, and one side of the store had Halloween stuff up, and the other side had their Christmas trees up, and they were playing Christmas music. Earlier and earlier every year, they're starting to put Christmas uh, on, on our radar. Uh, the season of hope has become a very stressful time. And Advent is a time where we, we set aside a little bit of that. We, we take time to prepare our hearts and really focus on what the true meaning of Christmas is. You know, the true story of Christmas is greater than us. It's greater than anything we could imagine. It's the, God's, it's the story of God's redeeming love for the world. And it's not a time where we pretend to be happy, where we cover up the pain that we've experienced in the past. It is a season of expectation. It is a season of preparation, and it is an opportunity for us to align our hearts with the heart of God. No matter what you're, you're dealing with this Christmas season, whatever anxiety you have in your life right now, whatever uh, pain you're dealing with, God has given us a gift. He's given us the gift that we are able to rediscover what the birth of Christ really means. Not just for the world, but for us. We have the gift where we can see the hope, the peace, the joy and the love that Emmanuel, that God with us, brings to us. So today, we're going to begin by rediscovering the hope of Christmas, especially when we are surrounded by so much uncertainty. You know, we have it. We have a, a pretty. It's pretty bad in the world today. We can all agree to that, right? The world is a is a is a mess. Uh, political upheaval, and we're about to enter another election cycle which just, I hate them with a passion. I hate election time because it's just everybody yelling at everybody else about how they're, they're better than everybody else and they know the best. And they, none of them know anything. All of them are bad. But it's like you're picking the, the lesser of two evils. And I, just, I get tired of it. I get tired of seeing people who are usually friendly and cordial with each other just yelling at each other because of who they, who they want to vote for, who they want to support. People, Christians on Facebook acting very unchristlike because someone defended or criticized their candidate. And so I just, I hate election season. World's full of uncertainty. We have no idea what's really going to happen in Israel and Gaza. I know there's a ceasefire on, and the Hamas is supposed to release 50 Jewish hostages, but do we really trust Hamas to do what they say they're going to do? 
we really believe they're going to keep their word? And if they do, do we really think Israel's not going to still retaliate as they have the right to do? I'm not criticizing Israel. Don't, don't at me. Uh, but, you know, we, we don't have any idea what's going to go on. But here's the thing. In October, when Hamas attacked Israel, God was not surprised. He knew it was coming. When you got that phone call from your doctor or from your, your, your parents or your kids who had an unexpected diagnosis, God was not surprised. But we have it bad today, but when, when Jesus was born, Israel had it bad as well. They were conquered and controlled by the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was, was brutal. They were excessively oppressive. They would they 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 pushed down everyone that they could. That had been it had been thousands of years since Isaac and Abraham and Jacob had received the promise of God. God had led his people, had called his people to their own land, the land that he said was going to be flowing with milk and honey. And it had been thousands of years since they'd been invaded and conquered by their enemies. And God had promised to send them a Messiah, to redeem mankind, to make everything right. But it had been a very long time since he'd been given that promise. This promise wasn't a, a fantasy or a fairy tale that they told their kids to make sure they stayed in line. It was shaped their culture. It shaped their life. It was a deep and abiding hope that encouraged them, that sustained them, that helped them to keep going even in times of pain. Genesis 12.3, God promised to Abraham, said, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. But it had been over 2,000 years since God had given them that promise. And it seemed like it was never going to happen. The national cry of Israel during this time was, How long, O Lord, how long can hope survive? They, when, they're being, when you're being oppressed, when you're suffering, when your world is full of pain and uncertainty, how long can you hold on to hope? How long can you cling to hope that things are going to get better? Well, the story of Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2 tells us that hope can hold on for a long time. And as we look at the story of Christmas, the first Christmas in Luke 2, we're going to pick up at an unusual place. You know, usually when we start in Luke 2, looking at the birth of Jesus, we start with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. And if you uh, are biblically incorrect, the wise men, they weren't there at the birth. They were there a couple years later. Uh, but, you know, we put them in the manger anyway. We put them there anyway. And we tell this story. We're going to look at the next scene during the birth of Jesus when Mary and Joseph go to the temple. And in this story, we meet two very important characters that get overlooked often. Simeon and Anna. So look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse number 22. <clears throat> and when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And the offer to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the 
same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, for the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, and light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against ye, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher. And she was of great age and had lived with the husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow for about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in, and coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spoke spake of Him and all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. These these two characters, uh, Simeon and Anna, they are are sparks of hope in the nation of Israel. Again, many in Israel had had given up the hope that God was going to send the Messiah as He had promised. Again, it had been too long. It had taken too much time and they were too oppressed and given up hope. But Simeon and Anna gave up hope. They expected God to keep His Word. They expected God to, to, to fulfill the promise of the Messiah. And they had lived long lives. They'd, they'd experienced pain. They'd experienced hardship. They'd experienced difficult things. The Bible tells us Anna had been a widow for over 40 years. And again, in this time, being a widow was kind of the lowest place in society. She had no children to take care of her. She was uh, basically poor and forgotten about. Uh, she had low status in the culture. Simeon had been promised by God that he would see the Messiah before he died, but he's getting old. And you know life's getting longer, and he's having more and more sickness and pain. But both of them remained faithful to God despite the pain that they had experienced in life. Neither of them were surprised when they saw Jesus in the temple and were revealed by God that He was the Messiah that He had promised. You know, everyone else in the Christmas story needed convincing that God was going to do what He said He was going to do. Mary, when God comes to her and sends an angel and says, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, she had to be convinced. Like, well, how can I? I'm a virgin. That's not going to happen. That's impossible. Joseph, when he gets word that Mary is pregnant with the Messiah, he has to have an angel come and tell him. Elizabeth had to have an angel come and tell them. Everyone in the story needed convincing. The shepherds needed angels coming in heaven. And everyone in the story, when God sent the messenger to them, were terrified. But Simeon and Anna, they weren't shocked at all. They were expecting God to keep His Word. They were ready for God to keep His promise. They were expecting it. They were filled with hope. And that made them ready to see God work. 
day after day, year after year, Simeon and Anna, they served God faithfully. Now look, they had no evidence to back up their hope, but they held on to hope. They kept hope alive. Despite the years passing, despite the pain that they experienced, despite the hardships that they faced, they held on to hope. And when their hope became sight, they rejoiced. They praised God. They celebrated and gave that hope to others. You know, Anna and Simeon, they reveal several things hope and the power of hope that we need in our lives today. Here's the first thing. First thing we notice is hope sees beyond. Hope is the fuel of our faith. Hope fuels our dreams, fuels our possibilities. Hope keeps us moving forward. Hope is a spark in dark times that catches flame and helps us keep moving forward. You know, no matter how bad life is, no matter what problems we face, no matter what struggles we're enduring, hope is always there. Hope is alive even in the darkest times, even in the, the deepest pain, and hope can chase away the pain. Hope can keep us going forward. You know, we have hope because we have God. You know, Romans 8 gives us a, an incredible picture of hope. Romans 8.1, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then the, the chapter goes on to, to really explain our relationship with God as His children and, and what it looks like to live by God's Spirit. And then in verse 24 it says, For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet, yet hope for? But if we hope for that what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray, for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be muttered. Hope that is seen is not hope at all. If we can see what we're expecting, then it's not hope. Uh, hope. Come up here. Come on, Hope. I got something for you, Hope. Come on. <laughs> this is Hope. And we have hope today. Amen? Alright, Hope. Do you believe, do you have hope should have called Olivia up here. Uh, do you have hope oh, that I'm going to give you $10? Huh? Well, yeah, but if I give you the $10, you don't have any hope for it because you already have it, right? All right, let me make it a little easier for you. Do you hope, do you have hope that I'll give you this $10 bill? Yeah? Now, you can see it, but you don't have it. So you have that hope, all right, here. Do you have hope I'm going to give it to you? No, you already have it. You don't have to hope for it anymore. You, you can hope I'm going to let you keep it, which I am. So, you can go sit down now. <laughs> Once I gave her the $10, her hope was gone. Why? Because she had it. She already had it in her hands. If you can see hope, it's not really hope. As soon as you, as soon as you receive the promise... Hope is gone. There's no need for it. We can't keep hoping it will happen because it already did happen. Now, 
Hope precedes our current reality. You know, hope by its very nature exists in uncertain times. When life is uncertain, when life is, is unstable, we have no idea what's going on. That's when we need... When you go to the doctor, the doctor says you're healthy as a horse. You don't need hope that you're going to, you know, you're not going to cancer because he just told you you don't have it. Hope is when the doctor says, we found something, we're not sure what it is. That's when you need hope. That's when you need the hope. The hope is, a, is willingness to believe beyond what the circumstances show us are possible. Hope sees beyond what we see. second thing we notice about hope is hope is God with us. There is no uncertainty with God. God knows your pain. God knows what you are struggling with right now. God knows the challenges that you are facing every single day. God is not taken surprised by events that occur in our world. He's not surprised by the, the diagnosis. He's not surprised by the unexpected bill that you got in the mail. How many of y'all get unexpected bills every once in a while? You're like, how am I going to pay this? You know, every once in a while, uh, you know, because this is an older piece of property, and sometimes we have toilets run, and because, you know, we're not here all the time, a toilet will run around here, and I won't know about it for, you know, three months. And, like, this one will run, and I have to keep checking. And the water company will call me and say, hey, we've noticed that you're using a thousand gallons a minute for the last three months. Maybe check that out. Now, that's an unexpected bill because they don't care. Now, the other day, I got a call from the water department about my house. But they called and said, are you still living at 3480 Pilot Boulevard? Like, yeah, we're still living there. People are there. I'm like, yeah. Like, well, your water meter didn't show any usage the last week. So they, when I'm not paying them, they call me right away. But when I'm used, anyway, uh, I just hate the water department. Anyway, unexpected bills don't shock God. God knows everything that's happened. God sees you. See, that's one of the, the greatest names. You know, Jesus has a lot of names throughout the Bible. One of the greatest names is Emmanuel because it means God with us. doesn't mean God came to us and left. God is with us now because we have Jesus. He is here with us and that gives us hope. And this isn't a hope that God kind of dangles in front of us and we have to leap for and he'll just keep it just out of reach. This hope is infused inside of us. This hope is fanned by God's Spirit living inside of us. Even in the darkest moments, even in the, the deepest pain, even when hope seems all but gone, we have hope because God is with us. His Spirit reminds us that God is faithful. Reminds us that His promises are true. Reminds us of His love for us. Jeremiah 29.11 the Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. God wants you to have a good life, wants you to have joy and peace, and He gives you the hope He can do it for you. Isaiah 43, 1, But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters... I will be with thee, 
and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. This is inc There's credible hope in these words. God is telling us, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're enduring this Christmas season, you are not alone. Everybody may forsake you. Everybody may leave you. You may feel like no one cares. But God does. God loves you. Christ has come. He came for you. He lived a life you could have never lived on your own. Lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross to pay for your sin debt. He rose again to redeem you to God the Father. He rose again to give us hope. Hope that our sins are forgiven. Hope that death for the believer is not the end. Death is not a loss for us. Death is victory. Hope that we are never alone because God is with us now and for all of eternity. No matter what you are facing today, God is with you every step of the way. And that gives us hope. Third thing we see is hope helps us carry on. You know, Paul, he describes kind of the cycle of hope that we go through in Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope. Make it not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. See, God's hope, the hope that we have in God, it doesn't, it doesn't cause us shame. It doesn't disappoint us. It doesn't let us down. It gives us new and growing strength to see beyond the pain. To see beyond the confusion that we're dealing with right in front of us. You know, during the peak of the uh, COVID pandemic... There was a story out of England about a man named Tom Moore. Tom Moore was a World War II veteran, and he, he wanted to raise money to help uh, support the people who are suffering because of COVID and the health uh, workers and stuff like that. So he decided he was going to go on a pledge walk, and he was going to walk around his garden, and for every time he walked around his garden, you know, people would pledge a dollar, for every lap he took, and he was planning to take a hundred laps. He figured, I'll raise a hundred dollars, uh, that's going to help. You know, maybe not help a lot, but it's going to help a little bit. Well, it became a national story. And people from all over the, the country of England started hearing about it and seeing it on the news and started calling in. And he was able, by walking around his garden 100 times, he was able to raise over 40 million dollars. When he was interviewed, and again, this is a, a hundred year old man walking around his garden 100 times. Look, when I'm 100, I don't, I don't want to be 100. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I don't want to be 100. Uh, but if I am 100, I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk from my bed to the bathroom uh, on my own. But here's this guy walking around his garden 100 times, raising $40 million to help those in need. And they were interviewed about it, and they asked him how he was able to do it, and he said this. He said the first step was the hardest. After that... I just got into the swing of it and kept going. That's true in every area of our life. The first step is always the hardest. It's true about hope. When we are suffering, when we are in pain, when we are facing difficult times, it's hard to, to lift our eyes and try to find that spark of hope that God has for us. But hope 
helps us see beyond the pain Helps us see beyond the difficulties and grasp God's outstretched hands. When we see God's promise of hope, we find strength. We find the inspiration we need to keep going. One more day. One more day. One more day. When we see hope in the birth of Jesus, we see hope in His death force. We see hope in the resurrection. We see hope in the truth that He is coming again to receive us to Himself. Then we find the strength we need to keep going. Hope inspires us. Hope emboldens us. Hope builds us up and it keeps us going no matter what. We need to take a first step of hope today. What steps do you need to take? What hope do you need this morning? Advent gives us hope. Hope for today. Hope for tomorrow. And hope for eternity. You know, we want to know, we want to know what, what, what the future holds. We want to know how everything's going to play out. You know, one of the things I love uh, about the GPS we have now, you know, the, the GPS systems we have on our phones now, because I remember when, you know, when you, you had to get a, an atlas to map out your route, and you got MapQuest. How many of y'all remember MapQuest? You would print off your MapQuest directions. Then we got those little Garmin GPS things that were, you would sit in your car, and they were very, you had to update them all the time. I remember I had one going back and forth to college, and I knew the route. And I was taking it 12 or 13 times the route, and so I'm driving down a highway that was built about three years before, and my GPS shows me in the middle of a corner. Redirecting, redirecting. Uh, but now, you know, they're updated all the time, they're on your phone, and I love it because you can, you can see. And even, you know, I'll be driving now, going somewhere, and my phone will announces, hey, there's an accident 30 miles ahead. Do you want to take this little, you know, this, this little kick, this little detour to get around? It'll save you five minutes. And I love that. I love that I can look at my phone. I can know what's coming ahead. You cannot do that in life. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I have no earthly idea what's going to happen in your life. I don't have any idea what's going to happen. In my... I don't know what's going to happen as soon as we dismiss church. We do not know the future. Life doesn't work like that. We cannot know how everything turns out. But in Christ, I know the ultimate end of my story. In Christ, I have hope that, yeah, tomorrow may, be, may bring pain. I may wake up tomorrow and get the worst news I've ever gotten in my life. I may wake up tomorrow sick. And, you know, April, she's, home, she's at home sick this morning. Uh, and so I may wake up sick. And we all know men colds are drastically different than women. You know, men are just, we, we get way sicker than you ladies do. You know, it's just, and, and it's not because we, we, our bodies just take all the, that, the, the viruses worse, and so we're way sicker than y'all. And, uh, you know, I heard one guy say that uh, only a woman who's ever given birth without an epidural can know what it's like to be sick as a man. Uh, and I, I, I don't believe that because I just realized I'm outnumbered by women in here. Uh, but anyway, uh, I can wake up tomorrow sick. I can wake up tomorrow and have, you know, I, I, don't, know, I don't have any idea what tomorrow holds. But I know, because God has told me, one day, even if I wake up tomorrow and end up dying, I wake up in heaven. But that's still not the end. Because God tells me one day, He's going to return to earth, and I'm coming with Him. And He's going to set up His kingdom. And He's going to build a new heaven and a new earth, and I'm going to live with Him and reign with Him for all of eternity.
So I may not know what tomorrow is, but I know what my ultimate end will be. I know eventually how everything's going to turn out. I know the ultimate end of everything. We have hope in His coming as a baby. We have hope that He came to live, to die in our place, and to rise again to redeem us to God the Father. I have hope that through His death, burial, and resurrection, my sins are forgiven. That God doesn't see me as a wretched sinner deserving of hell, condemned hell. He sees me as righteous as Jesus Christ, not because I deserve it or earn it, but because Jesus came to do what I could never do. Jesus came to pay my sin. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Advent is about. It's not about the gifts that we're going to give to other people. It's not about, and look, it's not about even the traditions. And I love the traditions. Again, I didn't celebrate Christmas when I was a kid. So I love the traditions of Christmas now. And I love just, I love watching cheap Christmas movies, uh, except White Christmas. I hate that movie now. Uh, a Wonderful Life. I don't get it's a wonderful life. I know it's a, you know, it's a classic. No, it ain't. It's, it's a bad movie. But anyway, but I still, I'll watch it with the kids. I love Polar Express. We watch Polar Express every Christmas Eve. And you know there's a new Polar Express coming out in December? Woo! It's a prequel. Uh, anyway, I get excited about that stuff. I love that stuff. But you know, my hope isn't found in the gifts I'm going to get for Christmas. You know, my kids, April and all, they hate shop because they ask me, it's like, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? You know, if I want or need something, I get it. I don't really want or need anything. But, you know, if you want to buy me, you know, a car, that's fine. You know, but Enterprise Rental Car, they're going to give me a car because they destroyed our Internet. So uh, we're suing them so that I can get a car from them, right? Right now, okay, there we go, see? Uh, got an employer right there that just agreed to it. Uh, so that's legally binding, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, there's things that I, I don't really... I don't really, my hope's not in what I'm going to get. My hope's not in what I'm going to give my kids. My hope is in the fact that Jesus died for me and rose again for me. And now, I'm a child of God. Look, some of you this Christmas season, it may re- the holiday season can remind you how dysfunctional your family is. My family doesn't even, you know, only a few of them celebrate Christmas. My family's a mess. They're just, they all got problems, including me. April's family, oh my Lord, that's a huge mess. But no matter how bad my family is, no matter what's going on in my family, I'm a child of God. And that gives me hope. Because He came to live for me, to die for me, and to rise again. I have hope, and because of that, I have hope that He's coming back one day. He's going to wipe away all tears. He's going to make everything new. He's going to fix all that is broken. So whatever you're dealing with today, there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Advent today. God's Spirit is given to us. God's Spirit carries us. It strengthens us. It keeps us going for Him. No matter how dark the world may be, we have hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.